Hello, and welcome to Wands and Fronds, the bi-ish weekly podcast where we cover magic, herbalism, and more. I'm Nick. And I'm Shannon. And we are your co-hosts. And we have a very special treat for you today. Um, We're going to be covering some pretty wide-ranging topics, like, for instance, finding out that I'm a Libra rising, the Barbie movie, and, um, you know, Barbie Girl Summer in general. Yeah, Barbie Girl Summer. Um, you know, for all of our goths out there, it's been pink. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It has been pink. Um, and up top, I just want to say, like, thanks for everyone for being patient. I had a death in the family, which is why our episodes got kind of, like, thrown super fucking off because I had to drive back to Texas. Uh, because. You know what's not affordable? A last-minute plane ticket to Texas in August. So sure, yeah, that was fun. Um, but yeah, I'm excited to like get into this Barbie topic while I'm like unironically drinking a cup of coffee with fucking pumpkin spice creamer in it because I am that bitch, and I'm really grateful that the universe has started putting out Halloween stuff in time for my birthday. Love it. I, I love that it gets earlier every year, too. Me, too. I'm like, look, let's just not ever stop selling Halloween stuff. I've already gotten more decor for our house. Like, you know that this is my annual decor shopping time. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to, like, Michael's and Joanne Fabrics both have their stuff out. I've gotten some really cute stuff, and I ordered these taper candles from Joanne Fabrics that I'm really excited about. They're called Bleeding Tapers. And I got some that are black taper candles that bleed green and some that are pink that bleed red. And I cannot wait for those to get here. Incredible. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it's it's also just like your house is spooky all year round. And I just, I love, I love it for you. I do. Well, you know, my like uh, tropical storm project that I'm doing tomorrow is I am doing a matte black chalk paint on my stair banister like i'm painting my stair banister matte black incredible i'm so excited so it'll be done by the time you get here which will be perfect and and also so soon i'm literally i'm so ready for vacation yeah and i'm ready for my birthday which is less than a week away how did that happen truly truly and it's gonna be your jesus year yeah, my Jesus year. I don't know about you, but I'm feeling 32. <laughs> wait, you're turning thir- wait, you're turning 32? Yeah. Okay, th- that's not your Jesus year. I'm so sorry to tell you. I thought Jesus died the- J- Jesus died when he was 33. Oh, I got a minute. Well, you should know I'm 32. You're th- I'm turning 32 cuz you're you 32. You know, I I'm 29. Oh, I'm sorry. You're right. You're 29 and holding. (laughs) (laughs) To be fair, you are an Austin gay. So it really is in your best interest to stay 29. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes, indeed. The Um, Austin gays aren't polite to aging people. But before we get into it, when in the last month did you feel the magic? Because it's truly been way too long. It has been way too long. I think for me, I've been really getting back into like making things. So I've been like, 
painting, doing crafts. I sent you my like spooky terrarium. I made the like Beetlejuice tentacles that I painted black and white stripes that are super cool. So really for me, I've been just like getting back into art and that has felt very, very magical to me. Like it's, it's nourishing. And I always just feel so like fulfilled when I'm crafting. Love it. And yes, that's, I love the spooky terrarium. Can I, I just want to say, I really wish I had a yard so I could get one of those 12 foot tall skeletons. Oh my God. I wish that I had space for a 12 foot tall skeleton too. But alas, alas. we're renters. Um, no. So I do just want to say that my passport stuff coming together around the full moon really, really felt like cosmic timing. Oh yeah. And then in a month where we're getting a blue moon too. Like I'm so excited that we're getting a blue moon this August. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, transitioning into Leo season has been such a breath of fresh air. Queenly. Really really feeling the Barbie girl energy. Um, but then also finding out I'm a Libra rising. Yeah, that was uh, a development. That's quite a large development, actually. That, like, that is quite a large development. And I feel like it ties yeah. in, it ties into this episode so well, too. But, like, thinking I was a Virgo rising for so long, but then, you know, getting my birth certificate... Because, you know, I've really thought I was going to have to do one of those same-day passport appointments for my trip. And and then being like, wait a minute, I am not a Virgo rising, I am a Libra rising. Yeah. But it's also, uh, it's but different. I, I do also kind of feel, though, with having my Venus and Taurus be my chart ruler, it makes a lot more sense to me that that is how everything is laid out yeah yeah because i I, never i i I didn't really ever feel like my mercury and aries had the strength to be my chart ruler yeah i also thought it, it was i just think it's interesting because like i think about how artistic you are and i think that really reads with like a Libra rising too you know I feel like Libras can be like so into like beautiful things and like art and design because I think you know like Taurus gets the reputation or whatever for being aesthetic but really like Libra's up there you know it's like that very Venusian like caring about making sure things are beautiful Mm-hmm. And that feels like you. Absolutely. And yeah, like I said, I just have always felt way more attached to my Taurus Venus than my <laughs> my Mercury Aries. So it just, it really does feel, it, I, it's like, I feel like I'm home now. Yeah. Yeah. I think it makes sense. And also like, you're such a like relational person, right? Like you're so good at making connections with people like you are good at relating to folks. I feel like you're also a good peacekeeper, all things considered, which like I know as an Aries, people might be like, wait, what? But you are like good at helping sort of like smooth things out when other people have conflicts too. 
Oh, yeah. Well, and, you know, there's also this kind of thing where, like, to have the Aries sun and the Libra rising really balances everything out. Yeah. Like, more so than having a Virgo rising. Yeah, I think so. I really do think so. And I think that it's... It's interesting, too, when you think about, like, I think this idea of Libra as, like, a justice and balance, like, queen also makes sense for you. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, we stand fairness in this house. Yeah. I'm like, this is the very, like, Luciferian side of you, too. But we're we're loving it. And we're living, we're laughing, we're loving. We're living, we're laughing, we're loving. Um, I don't know, you saw my all pink outfit for the Barbie movie. Yeah, I mean, speaking of living, laughing, if, loving. If that is not giving Libra rising, then I do not know what what would. Yeah, I mean, I feel like it really does end up making a lot of sense for you. And also, like, you're so you attract so many Libras. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh, I sure freaking do. Uh, Which having that Libra ascendant makes more sense than a Virgo ascendant because like I I mean, like the thing about me is I love and appreciate Libras. I don't tend to have an easy time maintaining those friendships because they're just like so different from mm, me. Mm-hmm. Not to say that, like, I love and respect and all the things about Libras that make them, like, not good for long-term friendships with me in general are things that I really admire about them. But I, like, I'm saying, like, as a Virgo, Libras tend to be, like, a little bit more complicated for me to maintain long-term friendships with. So for you to have that Libra rising in your chart, I think, makes a lot of sense for, like, how you have such strong connections to so many Libras. Oh, yeah. Well, and even other air signs, too. Like, I also have a shit ton of Aquarians in my life. That's true. And it's not something that I think if you look at your chart layout and you take out, you know, if you're thinking about your chart with that Virgo rising, I mean, you and I both have, we call them lava, we've said lava charts, right? Like, there's so much fire Mm -hmm. and earth. But I feel like having that Libra ascendant for you makes a lot of your personal relationships make more sense with all the air love. All the air love. Um, So that's that's really been something that that I've been. And it's also just been kind of nice to like get to do the research on Libra rising and be like getting to like experience new astrology for yourself for the first time in a very 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 long time oh that makes so much sense but also okay but when I was like trying to do my birth chart and guessing it based on okay I and I still think I and it turned out to be right um being like what is my favorite meal well I do not eat breakfast because I'm a nasty Frenchman and I like coffee and cigarettes for breakfast <laughs> um and I don't like to eat dinner early and so I was like mm, 7 30 yeah I was born at 7 31 wow so yeah. you know maybe there's something to that I also just love that you and I are both dusk charts because I was born at 7 44 love it like With, I'm yeah. like yeah we're we're evening babes yeah, we're definitely evening babes for fucking sure. 
Although, man, I fucking love breakfast. But honestly, realistically, <clears throat> I love brunch. I should say more correctly. I love brunch because I just love breakfast foods. <laughs> I do. I love breakfast foods. I love breakfast for dinner. Oh, yeah. We do it all the time. Like, there's at least one or two nights a week where we'll either do breakfast tacos or, like, uh, right now I'm really into the Trader Joe's Ube waffle mix. Mmm. Yum. Very good. And you know all the pumpkin spice stuff is coming out, so I'm about to fucking, like, load up on pumpkin spice waffle and pancake mix because I love it. Fuck anyone who wants to, like, make fun of it for being basic. I love pumpkin spice. It's cinnamon. It's nutmeg. What is wrong with that? What is wrong with that? Also, um, just to kind of repeat something that we did in the pre-show, I were R&Ding recipes for vanilla vodka at work, and my idea was to make a pumpkin spice espresso martini. And when I tell you that every basic bitch, myself included, is going to be drinking a million of these this fall. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, if I drink booze, that would be all I drank starting now until yeah. December 1. So all of that to say, I do want to get into uh, some of my Barbie movie topics. Yes. Let's talk about the Barbie movie. Because, okay, I really do feel that there is witchy crossover here. So, first and foremost, the fact of the matter that when I went the second time, I literally saw a mother and daughter uncontrollably sobbing and holding each other at the end of this movie. Wow. Like, you literally... That's, that's magical. I'm sorry. I know it's a... But also to have something be part of the zeitgeist and become part of the monoculture that I can actually be into. I mean, this whole experience feels like a Wands and Fronds self-love spell come to life. <laughs> yeah, no, it's really great. And I feel like, you know, I was not a Barbie girl growing up. And I, I like that that's not a requirement to enjoy this movie. No. And, you know, I think part of it, too, is, like, healing your inner child. Because, like, you know, getting to, like, dress up in my little pink outfit and just go out and, like, openly and unabashedly be so excited to go to the Barbie movie was, I feel, very healing to my inner child. Yeah. I think there's something, too, about, like, this reclaiming of this, like, feminine, right? So, like, you know, we don't, we don't stand the binary, but realistically, like, everything that's been attributed as quote-unquote feminine has been seen as, like, trite and not valuable and unimportant and, like, quite frankly, something you should be ashamed of for so yes. long that this, like, idea that now this hyper-feminine very pink the the main character's evolution isn't becoming a birkenstock wearing like woman i i feel like there is something that is just very healing about that no and like honestly i mean the the colors palette uh just it has i felt a very venusian feel 
Oh my God. Uh, Although speaking of Birkenstocks, I do, I did find the Birkenstocks she's wearing at the very end, the pink ones. Mm, I might mm-hmm. buy myself like some beautiful colored Birkenstocks for my birthday. No, honestly, we got, we got a Birkenstock catalog in the mail. Wow. And I saw, and I saw the pink ones and I was like, uh, I kind of really want these. But I, I I do have to be good until after my trip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're about to go on vacation. My trip to San Francisco just got canceled. So I'm like, what am I doing for my birthday now? Birkenstocks. Probably Birkenstocks. Barbie Burks. <laughs> Barbie right. Burks. But no, I do. Okay. And then one of the things, too, that I feel like is, again, sort of magical about this whole thing is I did read a thing from a therapist that said, multiple clients of hers are ending toxic relationships with men as a direct result of the Barbie movie. Yes. I think that's one of the greatest cultural impacts that this film is going to have. Like Eric and I talked about that too. I'm just like, how good for women to see that they don't have to stay with the Ken. They don't have to live their lives in a mojo dojo casa house. No. And honestly, now that is something I wanted to talk about. Uh, And I texted you about it last night because I also saw this thing that I do feel like ties in where it was saying that dads lose their mind when they find out that their daughters are not as forgiving as their wives. And a response to that was, Dads lose their minds when they find out their wives are not as forgiving as their mothers. Yeah. And it's just like, there is kind of this thing, boy mom culture. Let's fucking talk about that. It's gross, honestly. It's it's so gross. Um, And because I also saw this post where... And you literally could not have timed this shit out more perfectly. Because in my head, these things are tied together. Okay. But it was this, it was this mom and her son who would not have been school age. So let's say three, four. Yeah, that sounds about right. And you know, they're like cooking together. And it's like a little reel. And the the text, the text of it is. Uh, making sure my son knows how to cook so he's not impressed by your Stouffer's lasagna. Rosa. And the people were popping off in the comments. And it's like, well, first of all, that's fine because, yeah, like, a man should know how to cook. There should yeah. never be the expectation that a man is simply going to go from having food cooked by his mommy to having food cooked by his girlfriend or wife. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's like, I could never fucking be the mommy for a grown man. And that's just, it's so gross. And it's like, you know, honestly, people talk about, Oh, you know, uh, it's, it's hard for, you know, men's rights people right are like oh well it's hard for men because people are tougher on them as kids no absolutely not you know what pisses me off is when you go to a dinner party and literally 
only the women will get up and start to help put plates and shit away. Yes. Because men are fucking raised to be waited on by so many, like, people. Like, like so many families raise men to just be little fucking princes that I, never yes. have to do shit. The little, the little prince style of raising men has to fucking stop. That's how you end up with Ken's. That's how you end up with Ken's. But also, it's it's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. And, you know, I, and I say that as someone who dates exclusively men, and I've had boyfriends who are just so fucking mollycoddled by their mothers. Yep. That they are not functional adults. Yeah, it's like, it's not even just the toxicity of it. It's the practicality of not preparing men to be able to function in the world on their own. Absolutely. Absolutely. And also, it's like, I mean, the obvious conversation here, too, is that you also need to stop with the expectation that your daughters are going to help with the housework. Yeah, or that your oldest daughter is an is a fucking child rearing assistant. Yeah, I mean, the whole fucking, it's top down. It is absolutely yeah. top down. Um, and it's the, just the whole thing needs to be reevaluated. But I think really the most toxic thing that I see is this very, very stuffed boy mom bullshit. Yeah, this whole like, I want to raise my boys to be the husband I wish I had. Like, no, your son's are not your fucking husband replacements. That's yeah, gross and weird. That's also uh, Sigmund Freud called. Right? Ugh. But I, you know, we're we're digressing a little bit. We're digressing a little bit. I do think, you know, like the just to just to get it a little bit back on track, is that one of the messages that I really took to heart was I do think that even though, you know, witchcraft is not evangelical. I do think there's an element of us being somewhat responsible for waking our sisters up. And like, I think there was, there was some really good parts of that movie about being accountable for your part of the community. Yeah. Cause I do feel like that's something that like witchcraft, I think has this thing where it's it's this opportunity to divorce ourselves from the mindset of rugged individualism. Yes, yeah. And it's like, I think, it, like, within that community and, like, within our own social groups, it is so important, again, you know, to tell people when they're being toxic and to really, like, not just stand by. Yeah, because it's, we all, we are all better off when we collectively take responsibility for helping each other grow. It's like, there's a difference between fucking like meddling and just trying to like be a responsible part of a community. And I think that's the other thing that like, on the flip side of rugged individualism, I think so many of us are raised to just like mind your business. And it's like, there's, there's a space for that. Absolutely. But also, we all live together on this, like, 
planet, in our communities. And like, sometimes you do need to fucking say something. Yeah. Well, and you know, there's that, there's that whole thing where, you know, the Barbies are being deprogrammed from patriarchy. Yeah. And I do feel like, you know, we, we all have a role in that. Agreed. And, and, and I think there, there is, there is magic to that. Yes. And I think that's where it's like part of, I think, being a witch and like being more present in this moment, as opposed to like evangelicals and Christians who we've talked about, their entire religion is focused on planning for after they die. Well, it's like one of the things about witchcraft is we're here now. And so instead of like putting it off, be here now and make this better. And make this better. Absolutely. And also, I do just, you know, it really makes me appreciate that I am not part of something that upholds the patriarchy. Yes. Like, and in many ways, I feel like I am part of something that is in whatever way that it can be as like a cis white man taking that down. Like, yeah. Like, I feel proud to be supporting and part of something that is against those values. Yeah. And I think the thing that I really appreciated about the Barbie movie, because I think this is where I I did value, like, some of the nuance. And, like, there, there are problems we can talk about with in a bit with the Barbie movie. But I think it's the thing where it's, like, white supremacy also harms white people and the patriarchy also harms men. And it's important to recognize, too, that it's like part of Ken's entire evolution had to happen because he was also like being put into this culture where suddenly like he was supposed to be in charge and like he didn't have the opportunity to be soft and have emotions because patriarchy also harms men. (laughs) Yes. Well, and then it's like the whole Alan thing, I think illustrates that point because because the gays and the theys want to live in original barbie world right like yeah they don't want to be part of that (laughs) Uh, and i do love that alan has become like the unofficial like mascot of the non-binary community according to eric which i think is very cute and michael sarah was an excellent casting choice for for alan um but i i do think that it's like it is something that i i really valued like ken's exploration and i was sad for him that he had to learn that patriarchy wasn't about horses I, because yes. <laughs> horses are amazing horses um, are amazing <laughs> But yeah, it's like the whole thing about Ken is it's like, I I appreciated that he wasn't actually a villain. You know, I think that it did a good job of of like reconciling the fact that he fucked up. But really, it's like the villain is the the system. The villain, the villain is the system. And like, yeah, there are people that benefit from it and uphold it and are bad actors. But I think that we all do better when we operate under the assumption that not everyone that benefits from it is a bad actor. They might just need help deprogramming. Yes. And I, I, yeah, I, I liked that. I also will just say one of the main criticisms of the film was that the feminism is basic, but 
I also very white feminism. It's very white feminism. But what I will say is that because it is a movie for everyone, a lot of people out there need basic feminism. Yeah. And I think it's like it it's approachable to expect a movie to get into the type of like nuance, deep conversation that you would get in like a novel is a little weird. Um, because that's not what it's for. It's a movie. It's, it's two a, hours. It's, it's a movie. It's two hours. But also, I did see this post that I really liked as well. That was like, if you don't like the way Ken is treated in the Barbie movie because, you know, he is just an accessory to Barbie and really only exists because to, to be in the female gaze, you are so close to realizing something important, sweetie. Keep going. Yeah, it's like you are so close. But also, it's like, did y'all miss the fucking end when Barbie encourages Ken to figure out who he is without her? Because she does that. So, like, leave her alone. Leave her her alone. She did her part. I think my biggest gripe with the movie is, like, the quip about smallpox. I understand the, I understand the sentiment behind it, but I'm like, you did not have a Native American in the room when you decided that that was a quip you could make because yeah never ever and i'm like that that took me out of it for a minute um because we've talked about on here like my grandfather was half half native american i grew up going to like yeah small smallpox blankets are not like a funny joke yeah it's like yes of course they don't have any immunity to the patriarchy but you could have used a lot of other things that weren't smallpox to depict that so i i'm like i have to acknowledge that um like we just we're saying it that was not cool they should have done better for a movie that did a lot of things really well it was just disappointing yeah well, but it doesn't but you know we're not going to throw the baby out with the bathwater. true and you know i th- i think the like cellulite joke was a little on the nose yeah it was definitely a little on the nose and i think that um i took this class so i I, i've talked about it on the show before like i have an american studies degree and i took a course on the body in modern america talking about like the representation of bodies and body image and we had an entire segment on barbie and like i am a woman who grew up with an eating disorder and i think that there could have been more sensitive ways to handle that Mm -hmm. but I also think that it's like impossible to talk about Barbie without talking about the unrealistic physical expectations that were set by dolls. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I do think, you know, it, you know, to get back into the magic side of it, it's very totemic. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. It's very totemic. It's very like, it represents so much of what's wrong with our society as an as a as a physical object yeah but all of that being said i but it's like the joke about cellulite is that really the worst thing you could think of right i'm like you know i want to talk about the fact that barbie is suddenly expected to shave half of her body because that's fucking annoying i'm like that to me would be the bigger like wait what's happening because body hair removal is awful and time consuming and to me a much more painful thing that society expects women to deal with than having a little cellulite 
than having a yeah and you know they could they could have made that point because that's something that many people have been railing against for years where it's like yeah there and i'll say it there's a certain amount of pedophilia around wanting to have a completely unblemished hairless body yeah i am not a naked mole rat i'm a person yeah (laughs) we're humans we're we're literally evolved from apes yes and body hair serves a purpose body hair serves a purpose purpose. like i love the thing when um i don't know if you remember this but a few years ago it was like i think i'm part of her show drew barrymore like removed all of her nose hair and then talked about how sick she kept getting like she kept getting colds Mm -hmm. and it's like yeah because it's not just aesthetics that body hair like affects right but you know just just to go back back into it there's kind of a, a similar thing with with twinks right yes we're dudes that are really into twinks and like someone we both know has uh, a fetish for Asian men. Yeah. And it's very much because they have less body hair. And it really is, you know, it's right there on the edge of being like, oh, so you want to fuck little boys. Yeah. Yeah. And this idea that like, there's also like acceptable places for body hair. It's just like, what the fuck? It's right. really like I'm we're under a tropical storm warning in Southern California. Are we worried about where you're hairy? Right. I'm like the the planet is fucked at the moment. This is our concern. Also, not to mention the fact that like literally, literally. That is one of the things that signifies that you were a grown-up. Yeah, is body hair. Is body hair. So it's a little sick and twisted that the beauty standard is uh, against that. It's, it's, uh, it's fetishizing children. It's fetishizing um, children. I mean, to me, I think the thing that would have been the most interesting but probably not uh it would have taken the movie in a very bad direction is i know they made the joke at the end that she was going to the gynecologist but how horrific would it be to develop genitals oh you know like (laughs) after not after not barbie has a pussy yeah oh no oh no she's Um, got a pee she's got a poop She's mm-hmm. gonna start menstruating. Just, Welcome I, to like having a uterus, sweetie. But also, I mean, you know, just to take it back to a little bit more of a PG place, never having to poop and then suddenly pooping would How be horrifying. Horrible, right? Um, the confusion the first time that happened. Yeah. It's like we're I'm used like, to did it. Barbie shit herself. <laughs> yeah, because you wouldn't know what to do. You wouldn't recognize the feeling of it. You would absolutely. No. You would abs. I mean, look at the babies. It takes them like four or five years to learn how to. It takes use them a the long toilet. time. So it is canon that Barbie shat herself the first time she. It is. Food. 
absolutely canon <laughs> that Barbie probably was shitting herself for a minute. Yeah, for a bit until she figured out what was going on, which probably took someone else helping her. You think the first time Barbie had an iced coffee? I mean, come on, you know. Oh my God, immediate. Um, you know, because you know that feeling when you fucking drink a cold brew and you just immediately have to shit. Yeah, you're like, my bowels are emptying immediately, right now. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, alar- <laughs> it's alarming how fast that is sometimes. Aren't um, bodies disgusting? Bodies are so disgusting. But all of our bodies are disgusting. So that's the thing. It's true. Um, but also, you know, I do think that this movie, again, opens up a lot of conversations that I think are good. Um, yeah. Because it's not, it's not what's in the movie. It's the conversations you're having afterwards. Exactly. It's, it's, and I think that's the most valuable thing. It's like a man going to see that movie and then calling their mom and being like, I had no idea. Yeah, the pressure. And it's like, that, to me, is a beautiful thing. That's magic. And that's fucking, I think Greta Gerwig has lit and the fact that this movie is the biggest box office opening maybe ever at this point like i mean i i I know they they have different metrics for this kind of shit but the fact that it made like 1.5 billion dollars yeah it's bonkers um can we also just talk about the fact that i understand for a hot minute there he was a sex symbol but ryan gosling is also fucking hilarious Mm-hmm. And Eric and I, like, Crazy Stupid Love is a movie that we both adore. And he's very funny in it. But he, that man is just hilarious. And I love it. No, literally. So I've kind of been not on the, the Ryan Gosling train. Like, I never really got it. It's like, you know, he's this guy that straight guys are really into for some reason. And so I've always yeah. just been like, I don't know if that's for me. But I literally watched the bar movie and then I watched La La Land. I wish I liked La La Land. Okay, well, listen. You know that their penthouse, their penthouse was filmed in the top of the Langham, though. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, you were. And, you know, first of all, why did I think La La Land was going to be a period piece? I'm not sure. Uh, yeah, but I also like the jokes about like it's like La La Land or the movie where Ryan Gosling invents jazz. <laughs> yeah, well, I think that's part of it too. Where these are the me thinking it was a period piece because if you just read the little description on Netflix or whatever, it's like yeah. uh, a jazz musician. It's a musical. I'm like, oh, so it's like in the 30s or 40s or something. I wanted to like it more, and maybe it's because we live in L.A., but it really just felt like L.A. giving itself a blowjob. Well, and, you know, not to turn my back on the sisterhood, but I just really don't like Emma Stone that much. Same. I'm going to (laughs) whisper it. (laughs) I mean, I I think her performance in that movie was a little flat. And I don't think she should have gotten an Oscar for it. No, but also... I'll just say it like I since we're talking about Barbie when Emma Stone was in like Easy A and Superbad and she had this like girl next door thing where 
you know, I feel like a lot of girls could see themselves in her and she was still relatively successful. But then she got all the fucking surgery and she's anorexically thin now. I'm sorry. Like, as someone who has also struggled with eating disorders, like, I can see how that's not good for for young girls to see that. Yeah, I'm like, she is what the Olsen twins were for girls of our generation and, and boys. I, I should say that for everyone that has suffered with eating disorders, because I know that men are criminally underdiagnosed for eating disorders. Yes. But yeah, you know, to like get the, the, the face sculpting and to just be anorexically thin and then have your career blow up and people see that. And they're like, oh, well, that's what I would need to do to be successful. It's like, I that sends a really bad message. And like, you know, I'm sorry. I don't think it's good. Yeah. Also, Emma Stone used to live in Park La Brea. Fun facts. Oh, you know, it's funny. Um, the guy, the guy that does reviews of all the like weird flavored liquors just moved out of Park La Brea. And I was like, oh. Yeah, Kelly and I will send each other like reels of like TikTokers and stuff that go viral that are like obviously filmed in Park La Brea. Yeah, no, I think it's so funny because it was like, oh yeah, moving day. And then it's like a moving truck. And I'm like, oh shit, that's literally like, I've seen that street. I've been on that yeah. street. <laughs> You're like, I know that place. Um, But no, but I did watch Blue Valentine and like, you know, uh, balding... The most depressing movie of all time. Like, balding alcoholic Ryan Gosling. That yeah. was That was good. That's good acting. He, he's Charlize Theron. He got ugly. Yeah. But even still. like. But even still, I'd hit it. But even still. I mean, come on. The problem is, actually, you know, I wouldn't, because I imagine he's boring in bed. Well, you know, and... Uh, extrapolate from this what you will but you know ryan gosling comes from a french canadian family yeah so obviously i'm into that so i mean yeah i just imagine that he's a very vanilla lay oh yeah well i mean here's what i will say every guy i've ever been with that has like a big dick or like a really nice body is just they they think i just that is an average guy who's trying hard to make you come than a guy who thinks you're gonna come just from seeing their their dog yeah i'm like i don't want to have sex with anyone who feels like i should be grateful that they're there yeah truly 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 um and yeah it's just it's mid it's mid having a big dick is kind of mid. Yeah, because let's not pretend that there aren't plenty of ways that you can supplement to help alleviate any sort of like, I don't know, the the big dick gap is easily overcome. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Um so yeah, I could see I could see him being a bit vanilla. Um but I also am like Margot Robbie. Margot Robbie. I always want to say Margot Robbie because her name is Margot and then I want to pronounce her last name French, but she's Australian as fuck and it's Robbie. Yeah. Yeah. She's precious. I loved her in I, Tanya. Such an iconic movie. Such an iconic movie. But yeah, um, I love Margot Robbie. I think that she is, she's a gem. Um, I also have to like shout out to her for like 
vocally supporting the SAG after strike. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, it's like to be fair, that movie had already been made. Oh yeah. I mean, no one's calling for a boycott of going to see movies in the theaters. Right. Um, but I do love that they like asked her about it on the red carpet and she was like, no, yeah, absolutely. I support it. And I'm like, we stand. We absolutely stand. Well, because you know, and it's like a couple of the podcasts I listen to are by SAG and uh what is it? W W WGA. Yeah. Um members. And it's like everyone thinks that the industry is this high-paid, glamorous thing. And it is not. And it's really not. It's a job like any other. And a, a union is good for everyone. A union is good for everyone. And, like, I love that we're having, like, labor summer. Because it's like, yes, there's this idea that people that are in unions, like, or this idea that people that are in the industry are doing well. But, um, you know, Kendrick Sampson from Insecure that like beautiful man. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Permanent. He like was posting about how he got something crazy like 50 royalty checks in the mail and it totaled up to like $84. And like that's the thing that's the problem with like streaming is mm-hmm. actors aren't compensated. And you know, Eric's working on season 2 of Die Emo's Die and I think there's like four of our four of the actors are SAG. And so it's it's been nice, too, because, like, podcasts aren't included, so we're happy to be able to, like, help support these people during the strike. But it's, like, our friends that are SAG are not wealthy people. And, like, the industry is made up of 95% of those folks. Like, it's not all Margot Robbie's and Ryan Gosling's. It's a lot of people that are, like, our friend Katie, who's on Lincoln Lawyer, <laughs> who is doing fine for herself, but, like, really should be better compensated. Yeah, well, and honestly, too, it's like, I I mean, yeah, streaming is kind of mid. Like, Truly. Because let's just be honest, it's like the quality has declined. Oh, yeah, because everyone gets three seasons on Netflix. Everyone gets three seasons on Netflix. The quality is not there. And it's just like, you know, I'd rather have just a couple of really good shows coming out than a million shitty things. Yes. Yes. As as a consumer, as a as strictly a consumer, I would rather have um just a just a handful of just really quality things than just because I'm sorry, red, white, royal blue. What are we doing? Can I just say I uh I'm everyone keeps recommending this to me and I'm like guys I don't love politicians. Do you no. know this about me? I'm not interested in two fucking wealthy white politicians fucking. It's not no. interesting. Also I as a gay man am so 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 tired of everyone patting themselves on the back for writing gay characters. And then those characters being exclusively conventionally attractive, like elite white men. Yeah, that's not interesting. It is the lowest hanging fruit. And it's sh- it, like 
no, you don't get a fucking pat on the back for putting pretty people on television. Right. I mean... Fucking no. Just no. Just no. And it's, you know, it's kind of like, this is why people don't like us. Right? Oy vey. Well, I think that we can probably wrap it up soon because it's starting to get really overcast outside. And uh, for our friends and fans that are listening, uh, I've got to go stock up for a tropical storm. Yes. Go stock up for your tropical storm. Um, I actually forgot to do a tarot scope this week, but I feel like this is more of a patio ladies kind of a vibe anyway. Yeah, Um, I think we're keeping it cash. It's the end of summer. It's almost my birthday. I had a death in the family. Nick's getting ready for a trip. We're, we're humans. We're busy. We're witches, but we are still people who work. So we love you guys though love you guys and also i will say uh as as just kind of a final out here um someone did do a post that it's tarantula breeding season in san diego so wouldn't it be so funny if the hurricane just picked up a bunch of tarantulas on the way in I need you to uh, fuck off with that because <laughs> then they would be coming my way. And you know what wouldn't be funny? Tarantulas at my house. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> so uh, on that note, also, wait, hold on though. Did you see the thing that there's a, there's literally murder hornets in Virginia? I did. And I'm like, you know, y'all are really close to D.C. Well, I it just it's troubling to me because, uh, you know, once they're in the south, they're really going to have a good habitat. You know, it's like, like oh, it's like the, yeah. it's like the Bernese pythons. It's like once they get to the south, that is so much like their natural habitat. It's scary. And. But hear me out. We just corral them into D.C. Mm-hmm. And we lock them in D.C. Mm-hmm. And- <laughs> I'm just putting it out there. I'm just putting it out there as a pretty decent solution for a yeah. lot of our country's problems. <laughs> um, but okay, well, what do we say to all the Barbie bitches? Oh, my God. To all of our Barbie bitches and all of our goth bitches like myself who are really ready for everything to be black again. Blessed be bitches. Blessed be bitches. <laughs> Goodbye. Bye now. Why am I frozen? I don't know, but you're frozen in such a jaunty little pose. <laughs> I, I know. I'm like looking at it and I'm like, okay, well, I guess at least I look intellectual. <laughs>